Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. We're so glad you are here. My name is Sarah. I have the great pleasure of serving alongside you on staff here at Church of the Palms. A couple of announcements. The first I'm very excited to make. We are looking for people who would be willing to serve on an occasional basis with Mike and Bill and Matt and others back in um, the booth back here, making the magic happen. You don't have to have any experience. You don't have to serve every Sunday. Mike is a lot of fun, and that's what I can tell you. So please reach out to him if you'd be willing to do that every now and then. Um, As we have grown in our sophistication in this service with cameras, etc., it's gotten more complicated, so we need more willing hands to serve in that capacity. Um, In addition, just a quick reminder that we're asking you to continue to wear your mask and practice social distancing. We're so pleased that so many are beginning to receive vaccines, but of course there's many who haven't, so just um, please continue to abide by those parameters that are helping keep us safe and allowing us the opportunity to take care of one another. A few announcements. Yesterday morning, a new service uh, premiered on our website and on Facebook and on our YouTube page. It's a Taizé service with Geneviève Bouchon, who's our music director, put together. It's beautiful. It's really peaceful. And it was filmed in the newly renovated chapel. We will be releasing those once a month on the last Saturday of the month. And uh, really encourage you to check that out. She's done a beautiful job. And it's, um, again, a very meaningful uh, service for you to enjoy at home. A couple of things coming up this week. Pastor Steve is continuing God in Hollywood, Truth and Consequences. Wednesdays at 6.30. And you can sign up on the website, see this list of films. And this Wednesday, they're talking about the film Lincoln. Also, just announced... Uh, Susan Neisler and Pastor Lori have put together a wonderful one-day women's retreat. It's going to be in the Palm Center on April 24th. It's called Be Still and Be Well, and it's yoga, worship, Bible study. It sounds like it's going to be a really great day. So you can sign up on the website. If you're a member here at Church of the Palms, reach out to Susan, and she can get you a discount um, code for registration for that event. So this Sunday is Commitment Sunday. And what that means is it's an opportunity, an important opportunity for us to pledge our commitment to our shared mission to love God and love neighbor here at Church of the Palms. So you have pledge cards here that came in your bulletin, and um, Pastor Lori has put out a watering can or watering cans, plural, uh, where you can drop them, a watering can, singular, uh, where you can drop that on your way out. You can also Get it on the website if you're not able to do it today. Um, You can give through the website, and it's very easy to set up reoccurring giving by going to the Give page. Um, And, of course, you can mail in the card as well. We are able to serve God and one another in so many ways with our gifts and our time, our passions, and those little gifts, those seeds, those things that may seem insignificant at times can manifest in a million beautiful different ways. To illustrate that point, I hope you'll enjoy this nice video that Matt put together. It's the third in our series, How Does Your Garden Grow? Enjoy. 
One image comes to mind from the old saying, walk a mile in someone else's shoes. Do you imagine shoes that are suddenly a bit tighter, more loose fitting? Maybe not quite your style or doesn't fit your occupation. When a volunteer at Mission Penal was serving meals to those in need, their take on that saying was much different. They saw children with old shoes, beat up, filled with holes, rarely the right fit for their growing feet. A call went out to the Church of the Palms congregation asking for their help. When many heard this story, they were inspired to take part. Donations began to fill and fill and fill. Many came together to make this work, but nothing would have happened if someone hadn't first noticed their need and walked a mile in their shoes. Nice. Um, thank you, Matt, for that. If you were with us last week, you know that we have started this new practice during the season of Lent that we are going to um, say a prayer of confession during our prayers of the people, that during the sermon there are these doodle pages for you to write words or phrases or to draw pictures, all in an effort to help us engage with God, connect with God in a new way during this season. We're beginning um, each week with a new affirmation of faith, and today it is a responsive affirmation. Sarah will lead you in the all. I will be the voice of one. Please stand as we say our affirmation of faith together. We believe. Sometimes our belief is confident, like a child on a dance floor, unashamed and wildly genuine. We believe. Sometimes our belief is distant, flickering, and calling out to us like a lighthouse on the sea. We believe. Sometimes our belief shows up as passion, guiding the way we vote, shop, give, live, trust, and hope. We believe. Sometimes our belief is like a shadow, faith stitched to our heels, unmovable, unlosable, a gift for winding journeys. We believe. Sometimes our belief exists like growing pains. We step forward, we fall back, but again and again, Jesus invites us to listen, to grow, and to take another step. So again and again, we speak these truths out loud. We believe. We believe. Again and again, we believe. Thanks be to God. Amen.
so much. Um, I'd like to invite the mic runners to come up on either side of the table, please. 
Praise and we are at this point in our service where um, we get to worship God with our tithes and our offering. And of course, you can give online um, or at the baskets as you leave. And as always, we are so grateful for your generosity and how we get to partner together as we love God and love neighbor. So today, for our prayers of the people, of course, the mic runners will come out and we'll hand you the mic and they'll take a step back and they will sanitize it afterwards. I don't know why my mic is cutting out a little bit. Sorry about that. I may have kinked a cord. Um, but before we start, we'd love for the mic runners to introduce themselves, please. My name is Olivia Mason and I'm a senior at Venice High School. Thank my name is Jaden Ray and I'm a junior at Venice High School. Nice. Thank you. So how can we be praying on this day? Any joys or concerns? Way in the back, Olivia. I never like to be first. You know that, Lori. <laughs> I would like a prayer lifted for our son, Madison. He's an active duty United States Marine. We haven't seen him for a year. He texted me yesterday. He's in South Korea. The last time our family was in South Korea was his grandfather. We pray for his safety and his health. Thank you. Thanks, Bob. So as we remember Madison this week, um, thank you for that reminder that we might lift up all of our men and women who are serving um, so selflessly. Thank you for that. How else can we be praying for each other? You can pray for the family of... Um David Bowles, who is a member, was a member of our church, died of COVID last week, and we had a service for him this past week as well. Thank you. As we remember David's family, might we bring to mind all the people who may be grieving from um, losses, that they might feel God's presence in a palpable way. And that grief, um, that journey through grief is so different for everyone. Every journey has its own personality. And just that they would allow people and God to enter in and provide some comfort and peace. So thank you for that, Steve. I'd like prayers also for the Fred Marsh family. Fred was a interim pastor here for many years, actually, and a member of our congregation, and it, he will be missed. Uh, he was my first cowboy pastor. <laughs> Fred used preached quite a bit even in here way back in the day and did all that visitation for us, just a really great um, man. And... He and his wife and grandkids and son worshipped um, faithfully at the 11 o'clock service up in the balcony on the left. I can just know right where they sat. So, yeah, for um, prayers especially for Linda and the whole family. Thank you. Yeah, Olivia. <laughs> uh, most of me and the other seniors in the youth group have just decided where we're going to college. So 
Just prayers for clarity in the future. And, and where are you going to go? I'm going to FSU. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah, right. And lots of disappointment and excitement and trying to figure out what's next for um, all of our young people. Thanks, Olivia. Anything else that we want to bring before the Lord in this faith family today? Remember that there are cards on that back table, so if you have something private that you want prayed for and you just don't want to say it aloud, um, there's a little basket there that you can put that in. So we will trust that God will hold all of those prayers that we have just named, and now I'm going to invite you to grab your bulletin, turn it over to the back side, because I think confession is so important for us that we can remove any barriers that are between us and God and that we can hear um, that great, um, those words of assurance. And so today, I will do the voice of one and Olivia is going to read all with y'all. All right, so let's pray. Listening God, take what is closed in us and open it. Take what is distracted in us and settle it. Take what is hurting in us and hold it. Take any and all parts of us that create distance from you. For we are like Peter, O God. We argue what we don't know. We fear what we cannot see. And we almost always speak sooner than we listen. So open us, settle us, hold us, and forgive us. We long to hear you more clearly. We long to know you more fully. With hope we pray, and with gratitude we confess. Amen. Siblings in Christ, we confess with gratitude because we know that God has heard and forgiven us. No matter what we have done or left undone, we are held in God's hand. So rest in this good news. God invites us in. God meets us where we are. God hears our prayers. God forgives us. Thanks be to God for a love like that. Amen. Hello, friends. Nice to see you all. And uh, just a reminder for those of you that may have come in after the announcements, these uh, commitment cards that were uh, found in your bulletin are there uh, for you to use. Uh, today is Commitment Sunday and following the service after the benediction, you'll be invited uh, to participate by uh, not only filling these out, uh, maybe with your magic markers, um, and, uh, but then dropping them off in the, um, in the little water uh, bucket that's outside uh, in, the, in the narthex. So, uh, We are finishing up our series on the fruit of the spirit of generosity, and we've been reflecting on this great theme of how does your garden grow and wondering about what is God doing in the midst of our, the garden of our lives and how might our garden grow even in, in the degree of more abundance. And so we uh, are reflecting on God the gardener and God, how God uh, tills and plants and nourishes. And then ultimately today we're going to be looking at God uh, the pruner. And so to that end, allow me to read our text today that comes for us from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Hear the word of God. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. 
You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that these words to come will point simply to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. I once was a guitarist. That's probably stretching it a little bit. I haven't played guitar in over 50 years, but I once was a guitarist, or should I say an aspiring guitarist. I took guitar lessons for three years. I had two instructors. The first one was a woman whose name I will call Mrs. Smith, and Mrs. Smith and her son owned a guitar shop, and they gave guitar lessons in the back. I loved taking guitar lessons from Mrs. Smith because she was sort of this grandmotherly type who didn't really get on my case when my lessons went bad and when it became evident that I had not been practicing very much. When I fouled up a chord or a song, she would tell me not to worry about it. I should try harder next time. And maybe, just maybe, I should practice a little bit more, Mrs. Smith would say. Mrs. Smith made my guitar playing easy. She did not necessarily make it good. But she made it easy, and as an 11-year-old, I was pretty good with that. And then, after a while, the schedule of my practices got changed, and now I had as my instructor Mrs. Smith's son, Mr. Smith, who owned the shop. Mr. Smith was not an easy instructor. He was pretty difficult. Mr. Smith could figure out, after about five chords, whether or not I had practiced much that week. And if I had not practiced much that week, Mr. Smith would stop the lesson, put down his guitar, and give me what they call a Dutch uncle talk. And in no uncertain terms, he would tell me that I was wasting his time and my parents' money by goofing around, and he'd make me go over and over and over again, my cords, my picking, he would check my fingers for calluses. And you can imagine, I was not wild about lessons with Mr. Smith. Mr. Smith wasn't much fun. And because I didn't like getting yelled at, I practiced more and got better. A few months later, it dawned on me that what God had given me the talent for was not to play the guitar, but to become a professional basketball player. So I announced to my mother that I was hanging up the guitar and picking up the sneakers, and you can see how well that's worked out for me. Which, of course, is what my mother knew when I gave her the news. She had a more sensible, more creative dream for me to take up a lifelong instrument, to enjoy, to play, and to share a much better bet than basketball for a 5-foot, 10-inch kid with a week left-hand dribble. 
And so, of course, it wasn't until much later that I began to understand something about the difference between Mrs. Smith and Mr. Smith. The two of them had very different visions of joy, the joy that they were trying to extend to me. The joy that Mrs. Smith was trying to give was the joy of the moment, you know, the instructional moment. It was the nurturing, the loving, the encouraging, grammarly kind of joy that she was offering me in the moment. Now, the joy that Mr. Smith was trying to give me was the joy not of the present moment, but of the future moment. It was the joy of getting me to be the best guitar player I could be. Mr. Smith had this vision of the day I would pick up a guitar, play a classical piece of music without flaw, and the joy I would receive in having used my gifts to this joyous end of delighting not just myself, but delighting those with whom I was sharing my music. This was the vision Mr. Smith had for me. When people come into your life who have a vision for what you can be, who see you not for what you are now, but for what you could be, I've had a few of those people in my life, my high school principal, a youth director, a college chaplain. People saw something in me and were willing to invest the time to coax it out of me. Now, it's something like Mr. Smith's vision that comes to my mind when I hear Jesus say, I am the vine and you are the branches, and my father is the vine dresser. I'm the vine, you are the branches. There's something that we all like about that vision, if we are people of faith. We all like the idea that in Jesus we have found the true vine, and we all like the idea that by God's grace we have been engrafted into the vine, that we are connected intimately to, to God through our connection to the vine. We love that idea. A lot of our spirituality has to do with embracing the fact that, that we are branches upon the true vine of the Messiah, Jesus. It's good to be a branch. It's good to be nurtured by the vine. But Jesus, in his teaching, wants to take the vision a little bit further. Jesus perhaps looks over at maybe a neighboring vineyard that is being taken care of by a local Palestinian farmer, and he sees the vines and the branches and the grapes, and he sees the farmer tending to the vines, and he notices that he's pulling away the dead branches, the one with no fruit on them, and the resource of the vine is going to be wasted on those dead branches. So he's pulling those dead branches so that the other branches that have life and fruit can get that resource source because the farmer is not growing these vines for the sake of growing vines. The farmer is growing vines so that they will bear grapes. The vines do him no good without the grapes. The grapes are what he sells. The grapes are why he's the farmer. The grapes make the wine. The grapes garnish the plate. The grapes explode in the mouth. It's all about the grape. It's all about the fruit. It's the point of the plant. So Jesus says, I have this vision for you. Not only that you might be branches engrafted into the vine, but more importantly, I had this vision for you that you will be branches that bear fruit. Because it's all about the fruit. It's the point of the plant. If you were to take a trip out to Napa Valley and stop in one of the vineyards out there and they were to give you the tour of the vineyard, you know, and you'd see the acres and acres of vines up on the mountains and then the tour is over and they point you to your car and you say what? You say, where's the wine? Where do we get the sample of the wine? And you'd be surprised to hear them say, oh, there's no wine here. We just like the little vineyard. We love the, we love the branches. We love the leaves. But no wine. And you would say, and what's the point? 
So Jesus says, I am the true vine, you are the branches. My father is the vine dresser. My father's the farmer. Now, a good farmer loves the vineyard. He loves the plants. He takes care of the plants. He feeds them. He waters them. But the farmer never loses sight of the purpose of the plant. He never loses sight of the chief end of the plant. It is to produce grapes, good grapes, perfect grapes, good wine-making grapes. And so his relationship to the vineyard is with always this vision in mind. He knows the joy comes when the grapes come. He loves the plant, but it's all toward the end of getting them to the joy, getting them to the point of bearing the fruit, the good fruit, the best fruit. So Jesus says, I'm the true vine, you are the branches, my father's the farmer, and he removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes in order that it will bear more fruit. Now that's the kicker. That's the surprise that for the vine dresser, it's not about the branch. In the end, it's not about the branch. It is about the fruit, the fruit of the branch. It's the point of the plant. He removes every branch from me that bears no fruit. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it will bear more fruit. This point, you see, at which our relationship to Jesus, the vine, and to the vine dresser father becomes less about us and more about the fruit we're producing. There comes a point when we have to embrace that ultimate vision that God has for our lives, that we exist within the kingdom to bear fruit. It's the point that God begins with, it's the point that God ends with. After the service, go outside and take another look at that beautiful oak tree that we have in the middle of our campus. It's 211 years old, if we believe the sign, what the sign says at its base. It's a great tree. It's a great tree, not simply because of how big it is. It's a great tree, not simply for how long its branches extend. It's a great tree, not simply because of how old it is. It is a great tree because first it's alive. It's bearing fruit. It's growing leaves. It's providing shade. It's dropping acorns, too many acorns. Sometimes it rains acorns, drives our facility folks nuts. And when it ceases to drop acorns, it comes down. Why? Because it's not about the branches. It's about the fruit. So we keep trimming and we keep pruning and we keep vine dressing because it's all about the acorns. Robert Coles, the Harvard psychologist in his landmark book, The Spiritual Life of Children, recalls meeting up with a 10-year-old girl named Mary and talking to her about what she thought her purpose in life was. Little 10-year-old Mary said this, I don't want to waste my time here on this earth. Just think of all the people the Lord hasn't sent. Oh no, said the little girl, when you are put here, it's for a reason. The Lord wants you to do something. If you know what, then you've got to try hard to find out. It may take time, you may make mistakes, but if you pray, he will lead you to your direction. He won't hand you a piece of paper with a map on it, no sir. He will whisper something, and at first you may not even hear it. But you have to trust in him and keep turning to him, and it will be all right. If you have trust in him and keep turning to him, it will be all right. So, it makes me wonder, when do you stop? When do you stop turning to the vine dresser? 
the vine dresser, who sometimes like a Dutch uncle tells you the truth and says, you know, you, you got a lot of stuff there you don't really need. You got a lot of branches that are kind of dying on the vine. You got money in your retirement account you're never going to spend. You got a lot more to life to live. You got a lot more fruit in you to bear. We'd like, though, we'd like, wouldn't we, to get back to Mrs. Smith? All grace, no expectations. But it's all about the fruit. It's all about the grape. It's all about the wine. It's all about what the vine dresser is trying to coax out of you. Well, it's good to be a branch, but better to be a Cabernet. It's good to hang on the vine, but better to play Mozart with your friends. And these commitments that we will make today, they're the start, right? They're the start. They're the, the first fruits that come off the branches. But they're not the end. Grapes forming at the end of our branches and the farmer rejoices and the farmer knows that there's more where those come. There's more fruit, more joy, more music, more wine. Just needs a little vine dressing. A little coaxing. A little pruning. Because it's all about the grape. It's the point of the plant. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks that you are the Father who loves us so much that you want for us the greatest joy. You want for us to achieve our purpose in life. You want for the branch to produce the grape. You want even to prune us that we may experience even more of the joy. So we pray, O oh God, as we sing and as we contemplate our giving, as we make our commitments, that you, O oh Lord, will be at work in us causing us to bear more fruit. In Jesus' name, amen.
it is your love and justice, God. You use the weak to lead the strong. Amen. You lead us in the song of your salvation. And all your people sing along. So remember your people. Remember your children. Remember your promise, oh God. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough for me. Sing your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. So remember your people, remember your children, remember your promise, oh God. Your grace is enough, your grace is enough, your grace is enough. of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.